On this episode of the Popcorn Diet, we continue Sports Movie Month, and we're excited that the Quack Attack is back. That's right. We're talking D2, the Mighty Ducks. Get your popcorn ready. Welcome, all you good movie buddies, to the Popcorn Diet, a podcast for those who live on a steady diet of homemade movie theater popcorn and other movie snacks. As always, my name is Rick Williamson, your very best good movie buddy. And joining us today is uh, live from Zoom, not live, live now, but not live when you're listening. From Zoom, practicing our social distancing, we have a special guest movie buddy, Good friend of the podcast, previously on our episode talking about Aladdin, we got Lindsay Friend with us today. Lindsay, how you doing? I'm doing good. How are you? I am very good. Uh, I am by myself, in my place, and... Just as we all should be. Just as we all should be, and and honestly, not much has changed. That's pretty much been the last few years of my life anyway. Um, I like the quarantine. It is. (laughs) It is. Hey, you know what? It is what it is. Um, now we got you on here. Uh, there are a couple of unique circumstances. We got you on here. Obviously mm-hmm. we're doing our, we're doing our part to flatten the curve and keeping our social distancing, uh, alive whilst also still doing the podcast. But the Canadian machine is not on this episode for a very good reason. And that is because he welcomed his third child <laughs> into the world. Um, very, very excited for him. And for, I mean, just for the family, uh, all of them, Aaron and Cameron and James now, all of them and Allie and all of them, we want to wish, obviously, uh, a congratulations to all of you. Everything worked out great, but obviously, we, I kind of forced him on a little bit of paternity leave for this episode, and that kind of threw us for a loop. It's why we're a little delayed, but he was not happy. Well, he, you know, he took it like a champ, but... Today, this episode was one that is very near and dear to his heart, and he was very heartbroken to not be able to participate in, but he signed off on you being here and being a part of it. He, he, he agreed Aww. on well, the, thank you, David. on the, <laughs> he agreed. I'll do my best. I know you'll do great. I mean, we had a, we had a good, uh, Aladdin episode and, and I think we'll be good. Um, but again, the whole reason we're talking about the D2, the Mighty Ducks, is because sports are gone right now. Like, there's no sports. There's no new sports. There's no new movies. And so this particular month is Sports Movie Month here on the Popcorn Diet. And mm-hmm. on April 8th, so it was a few days, a couple days ago, um, the NHL playoffs were scheduled to start on April 8th. Obviously, no NHL playoffs are happening. But to celebrate the sport of hockey in movies – we are focusing on maybe the most influential hockey movie of our generation, maybe. And we're focusing on D2, the Mighty Ducks. So, Lindsay, I want, I want to hear your history a little bit with the Mighty Ducks because I know this is, this is your jam. <laughs> this is my jam. As I mentioned to you before, this actually brought up, like, this really buried memory of mine that my brother, my mom, and I actually got to go see an advanced screening of Mighty Ducks D2 when it came out back in 94. Um, we didn't know what we were going to at the time. Um, and 
honestly, like all I really remember and then rewatching it um, really stuck out to me was actually the very, very end scene when they're um, singing We Are the Champions, the Queen mm-hmm. around the campfire. Um, and that is honestly one of the only things I remember from the initial viewing of it. But yeah. I remember that scene too. I remember how it felt like, I mean, it played over the credits. Mm-hmm. And I remember it, it feeling like it was like a second ending. It felt like it's yeah. not it's not a stinger. It's not like the Marvel movies at the end nowadays. But it kind of felt like that where the movie kept going through the credits. And that was a unique thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, this is definitely when this came out in 94, we were eight. Mm-hmm. Um, eight or nine. Yeah, eight or nine. And and it was it was big. It was big for us. Um, and I think it made a huge impact. All right, Lindsay. So for the sports movie month, we kind of made this little uh, little structure here to kind of approach each one of these movies. And that starts with the tale of the tape where we recap the movie, the history books where we kind of look into the background of the movie. That's kind of like where I do a bunch of the history book stuff because that's all like the film nerdy shit. Okay. Um, then we go through the players and the players is the actual characters in the movie. The competitions themselves, the games where we talk about the games that are depicted in the movie and then the Hall of Fame decision, which is why were the Ducks good? Why does D2 deserve to be in the conversation? Um, and so we're going to start with the tail of the tape, which is where we're going to recap the movie a little bit here. Okay. Um, now, did you remember? I remember. Do you remember, like, because they're here for the Junior Goodwill Games. Do you, do you remember that that's what that is? Do you even remember what those were at all? I did not. I think in my, like, rewatch, that kind of helped put, piece that together for me. Uh, I think as a kid, I legitimately thought they were playing in the Olympics. Right? <laughs> yeah. That's <laughs> what it feels USA. like. I didn't know there was any sort of distinction. So, yeah. So it's kind of a trick question because I could not find any actual record of an actual junior Goodwill Games. (laughs) So my understanding is that the actual games that they participated in were fictional. They didn't exist. Okay. Um, I did, however, read about the actual Goodwill Games. So the Goodwill Games were a thing that were started in, um, I mean, this is set in 94 in the junior Goodwill Games. Um, but that year, the the real Good World games were set in St. Petersburg and Seattle four years before. So the good, the real Not good, Los Angeles. never <laughs> Los Angeles. No, um, but they were basically a marketing creation by good old Ted Turner at the time after yeah. uh, because and we were obviously either a young or be not born in the 80s yet. The 80s, the, the two Olympics of the 80s were all political, right? Because of the Cold War. Mm-hmm. And so Ted Turner actually created these as a kind of an antithesis uh, or as a, as a, you know, counter to how political the Olympics got. He created the Goodwill Games to try and bring everybody together. Only six total Goodwill Games were ever played. Five in the summer, one in the winter. And so they, they didn't last very long. They're not like the Olympics where they lasted as long as the Olympics did. The last one was supposed to be in Phoenix. Oh. It was actually scheduled to be in Phoenix in 2005, but hmm. never happened. They got canceled. 
another fun thing that you'll you'll like about the the actual Goodwill games for adults, right? Amateur adults, is that ice hockey was only ever played once out of the six Goodwill games. So not only is this movie creating the junior Goodwill games, but it's also saying that oh, we're also playing ice hockey which only ever happened one time at the real goodwill games took a little bit of liberties with the truth that's okay (laughs) they did they did now there there are youth olympics there's the youth olympics since 2010 and then there's the aau junior olympics which are run by the amateur athletic union in the united states so they're only in the u.s and those have been going until 1960 or since 1967 uh, the funny thing is that Youth Olympics has ice hockey, and that's actually been going since 2010. So that's almost brand new. And the Junior Olympics don't have any ice hockey. So I don't know what competition they thought they were creating here, um, but it, none of it is based in fact. There's no actual Goodwill games. There's no actual season. There's none of that kind of stuff. Um, but there is the team. There is the Ducks, or in this case, Team USA. Um, and that's our main team that we're following. Now, you you and I both did a little bit of pre-research. We watched the first movie, too. Mm-hmm. So talk a little bit about the Ducks and some of the discoveries that you made, because these are movies that we, didn't, we hadn't revisited in a while. And the Ducks, yeah. the team itself... <laughs> It's nonsense. Like, it's chaos. (laughs) It is. It's a little bit of a mismatch. Um, I was rewatching it and just kind of like, I don't know, really like absorbing everything that was happening. The age differences that are on this one team are just, it's like these kids are 11 and then you have Fulton who looks like he's like 45. So (laughs) I'm not quite sure. Like, what exactly like league they're in or anything like that and then it's co-ed and for some reason they're the only co-ed team um in the first and the second movie so yes. i'm not quite sure what the rules are with that peewee hockey for reference peewee hockey is supposed to be 11 to 12 years old okay fulton is not that fulton is 16 <laughs> debatable but yeah he's at least in, supposed to be in high school Oh man. Uh, <laughs> and and there's so many and there's a lot that didn't carry over. There's Right. They they got he's rid of the little the younger brother mm-hmm. from Pete and Pete. He's only in the first one and he's the one who actually stuck out to me as being very young. Yeah. Um he's a child. He's a legitimate child. So, but yeah. yeah, they tightened they tightened up the group. They got rid of uh uh I think five or six different uh, mm-hmm. different people. They got rid of that young mouthy New York kid, or he acts like he's from New York in the leather jacket. And they brought on, you know, a couple of the other players too. They brought on Dean Portman, Luis Mendoza. We'll talk about them in a little bit, but mm-hmm. that's okay. the, that's the main team that we're following here is we're following the, the mighty ducks, AKA team USA. And then uh, kind of at the end, they're referred to as the USA ducks. Now with any sports movie, but particularly kids sports movies. It's always fun to talk about the opponent, whether it be in the sport or whether it be outside the sport, because there's always some outer whatever. So rewatching this, how'd you feel about Iceland? I love Iceland. Iceland Iceland is (laughs) the worst. 
Um, <laughs> but also, I couldn't help but laugh at now that I'm an adult and the fact that it's Iceland. Like, who gives yeah. a shit about Iceland? <laughs> um, I was actually thinking about this a lot and doing a little pre-research on the movie and, like, why they didn't pick other countries. Okay. Like, so they could have picked Russia. They could have picked some of these other places and they ended up going with Iceland. And I couldn't get a clearly defined answer why they did that. Um, so if you know the answer, I would love to know. But, um, yeah, it was really interesting. But just rewatching it and hearing... Um, you know, the whole, well, Greenland is covered in ice and Iceland is nice and how like, I've like internalized that for my whole life and like knowing that information and it came from D2. It's true. <laughs> it's true. I am the same. I remember that very well. Um, mm -hmm. The teams in this movie are so weird. So Iceland, number one, I think they just wanted a non-PC villain like or uh, or a pc villain you know they didn't want to ruffle right. any feathers or right piss off germany or russia or canada despite the fact that germany russia and canada are all in the tournament i want to talk just for a second about trinidad and tobago because <laughs> yeah. what the hell um i believe trinidad and tobago has like three hockey rinks total in the entire country um there mm -hmm. this did they like i want to watch as a matter of fact i want to watch okay, a, well, can I just, this is like an ice hockey version of cool running that's exactly what i'm <laughs> saying like how is there not another movie talking about the trend like how do we spin this off <laughs> to talk about the trinidad and the tobago team because of all of the hardships that they clearly had to like the coach who raised the the passion of hockey on the the tropical you know climate of Trinidad and Tobago? Like where where's that story? I don't know. Bob Iger needs to move over and put us in charge. Like, can you can you imagine if this movie is about a ragtag group of Trinidad and Tobago kids and their passionate coach who grew up raised on hockey, and then the movie ends with their them getting their asses handed to them by Team USA? Like, it should be such a feel-good story, and they just get de demolished. They're there, you know, and they had fun. And that is the true Disney and spirit. And if you had fun, you won. Uh, well, speaking of true Disney spirit, obviously there's a couple of the other concerns is that they're struggling to cohesively play as a team. But also mm -hmm. one of my favorite things that Disney does from time to time is they make a movie – Disney makes a movie that is just like capitalism, commercialism, you know, that's bullshit. And I am so amused by that. I'm yeah. so amused by, because I can't figure it out. Cause I love Disney. You know, this, you love Disney. Many mm -hmm. people love Disney. Right. And so there is a part of me that thinks that Disney actually believes this and actually thinks like, oh, we should put the anti-commercialism message in there because, you know, that's a good thing to teach the kids. But then the real part of me remembers like the freaking merchandising for the Mighty Ducks and the cartoons and <laughs> all this stuff. Where do you fall on it? Do you think that there's actual good natured uh, motivation behind having like the anti-commercialism subplot? Or do you think it's just all smoke and mirrors and it's just Disney trying to cover their ass? No, I think there's definitely like good intent there. You know, I think 
a lot of families like look to Disney for whatever that like moral compass is and you know whether what they're doing on the back end like they're never gonna put up their nose at you know some extra dollars in their pocket but I think there's good intent there for sure yeah it's it's always difficult you know because you make a movie that is about you know well we can't focus on the commercial thing I am I am also reminded of the Grinch the Jim Carrey Grinch which was just like oh it's not about the things and then that thing had so much merch and it was all about the thing (laughs) Mm -hmm. so it's a weird you know it's a weird balance also I don't necessarily think that the people making the film are the people advertising the film and the right. people advertising and marketing are always going to be about merch. Regardless, Gordon got Bombay. Emilio gets tempted by fame and riches here and loses sight. Um, did you buy that? Did you buy him going, going? Did you buy corporate Bombay at all? You know what? I really did. And I feel like he turned so easy. He turned very easy. <laughs> Okay, this is on a very unrelated note, but Gordon Bombay has one of the most satisfying names I've ever heard. It's an incredible name. It's an incredible name. Um, it just really flows off the tongue. The last name of Bombay is a, just an incredible last name that I hope to maybe steal one of these days just for whatever. Um, but yeah, it is. Gordon Bombay is an incredible name. And he, it really is. And it, he would have sold a lot of NHL hockey jerseys. Like, that's just mm-hmm. for a fact. Um, yeah, no, I, I definitely buy that he, I mean, he started out as a corporate lawyer, right? got in trouble, yep. now has to do his community service. Found his passion and, again. Found his passion again. It doesn't mean those things aren't still underlying that he might have missed. Right. Because well, um, what, what's, what's better than if you can have your passion and get rich off of it too? Absolutely. I, yeah. Listen, I get it. And I just think that the, the problem is, is he lacked is number one, Hans isn't in this movie. It's his freaking cousin knockoff John Jan or whatever. Which I also did not realize until this rewatch. And they just say like. I never pieced that together that it was two different people until this. Rewatch. Well, they both look like old Swedish people. Like they both look very similar, yeah. but also like Hans is his moral compass. Mm-hmm. And if Hans were and and listen, you know shout out to to john or jan or however you pronounce his name you're no hans and (laughs) dollar store hans your dollar store hans your discount hans i'm sorry it is what it is and i feel if hans was there maybe bombay would have been able to balance the the corporate side and the and the marketing side with the coaching side a little bit because that's what we, we just needed to balance you know yeah who says you can't be good and be on the cover of a wheaties box too i don't know um, I love the visual cue in the movie, though, when he starts flicking back his hair like the Iceland coach. Yep. So it's like, okay. Yep, he starts <laughs> wearing suits again. <laughs> exactly. And it actually, yeah. you're right. It does work really well as a as a partner to the first one. Because in this one, it's just, oh, he's Gordon Bombay, and then he falls to the dark side again. But you actually bring up a really good point where this is part of his character. It's where he was before. And he gets pulled back in. And I, that's a really good point that I didn't catch uh, on the first go round. Um, so let's look at the history books. Let's look back on this movie when it came out, came out in March, 1994. 
So we, I was seven. No, I was, yeah, seven. Yeah, I was seven um, when this movie came out. I don't know if I saw it in the theaters. Maybe I did. You, you remember getting a sneak peek of it, which is pretty rad. Um, it was directed by Sam Weissman. Does that name ring a bell to you? I would be shocked if it did. It does not. Sam Weissman's been around. He's done some stuff. Primarily, some of his well-known works are uh, the Brendan Fraser, George of the Jungle movie. Okay. And uh, Dickie Roberts, former child star with David Spade. So Weissman's been around. Not exactly the highest of quality work there. Um, but he's been working and it was written by Stephen Brill who wrote all three Mighty Ducks movies. He wrote and directed heavyweights and he also directed a bunch of Sandler movies. He directed little Nicky, Mr. Deeds and like half of Adam Sandler's movies on Netflix as well. He's also working on the new Disney plus series, um, which we may not talk about. I don't have it in my notes, but until I learn more about that Disney Plus series, I'm going to reserve judgment because from what I've heard, I don't like. I started reading about it a little bit as well. So if you want to touch on it towards the end of the podcast, you can definitely do that. Yeah, that's, it's, really I'm sensitive about it. Um, so Amelia. <laughs> you love Lauren Graham though. <laughs> I just, listen, I get it. I get it. I also enjoy Lauren Graham, probably for different reasons. Um, Emilio. Let's talk about Emilio. Okay. Because Emilio has basically had three sections of his career. And the first was Brat Pack Emilio. It was Breakfast Club Emilio, right? And then the second was this period. He did Mighty Ducks a year before this movie. He did Judgment Night. Did you ever see Judgment Night? I didn't, no. So Judgment Night's a, a gnarly little thriller about four guys going to a football game in an RV who get it's so funny because it's such a 90s movie they get off course and they wind up in like the ghetto and they witness a murder by a crime lord and then the crime lord and his goons are have to hunt these four friends down and it's emilio and cuba Gooding jr and jeremy piven and um dennis leary is the freaking mob boss it's pretty good it's listen it's not great but it's also pretty good. Um, and then he did two years after this is when he cameos at the start of the first Mission Impossible movie. Um, what? <laughs> right. You remember that, right? You remember, you don't remember him in Mission no. Impossible? No. So spoilers for the first Mission Impossible movie. But remember the first movie ends, or it begins with Tom Cruise's entire team getting murdered. And Emilio is one of the team. And you think, oh, Emilio, he's going to be in this movie a lot. And then they kill him like 10 minutes in and it changes the game. Um, but he went uncredited in that movie. He's not in the credits. And then Emilio, I mean, he did D3, but he really, after D3, started getting more into the directing side of things. And he's been doing independent film and doing a bunch of directing now. Um, but this is kind of peak Emilio right now for that second phase of his career um also Catherine Erbe 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 uh I don't know how to pronounce her last name but you'll probably know her more than better better than I do because she played the teacher Miss McKay right oh, yeah she was also 
Detective Alexandra Eames on Law and Order Criminal Intent for 142 episodes. Now, I know you're a Stabler guy, or uh, not, a, not a Stabler guy. You're, you're on Team Stabler. Definitely. So I know yeah. you're probably not as into Criminal Intent, despite the fact that, like, Goldblum was on it and stuff. I actually have not watched a single episode of that. Wow. 100%. Wow. I know. Wow. I know. That's actually, I thought I was going to get you with that one because I know you're a big law and order person, but apparently it's just a special victims unit. Just SVU. The literal, just the worst, most heinous, nightmare inducing ones. (laughs) Holy crap. Um, Here's a good one. Wolf Stanson played by Karsten Norgard, the Iceland coach. He's actually the dentist, dentist, Wolf the Dennis Stanson. (laughs) It's too. so good. Whoever put together these names is really awesome. It's on phenomenal. It it's phenomenal. Uh, he actually acted in some movies that I know of. He was like, he was in a couple of action movies like Soldier, Alien vs. Predator. He was in one of the Resident Evil movies. So I might have to go back and see if I can see the dentist in there. Um, and then we have some of the key members of the Ducks themselves. We got obviously, yeah. we got Joshua Jackson and mm-hmm. everything Joshua Jackson's done. We got Eldon Henson. Eldon Henson, for those of you who don't know, uh, was in the last two Hunger Games movies. He was uh, Pollux, the one who couldn't speak. And he was in Daredevil. He was uh, Foggy Nelson in the Daredevil series on Netflix. And he was great in it. Um, We got, gosh, who else do we got here? Aaron Lore, who played Dean Portman, uh, actually did Max's singing voice on the Goofy movie. Really? He did, yep. Uh, Mike Vitar, who played Luis Mendoza, went on to play Benny the Jet in The Sandlot. Yes, he did. And then the last two, kind of uh, literally two ends of the spectrum here. On one hand, we have Goldberg, Sean Weiss, who has fallen from grace. Pour, mm-hmm. pour one out. He's been, I think there was a picture of a mugshot of him a few months ago where he's just doing meth and looks absolutely just horrible. I hope he gets the help that he needs. Um, but Goldberg's one of the, like one of the key pieces of this franchise. Um, mm-hmm. And then you have Kanan Thompson, Russ Tyler. This Kenan Thompson. This was Kenan Thompson's first everything. It was, uh, this is the year he started in all that. So this is his first movie. And I would argue, I mean, I don't think it's much of an argument, but he's clearly the most famous out of everybody in this movie now. Yes, I would agree like, with that for sure. Joshua Jackson, yes. Like, he's still Joshua Jackson. He's on The Affair and, and all that kind of stuff. And Eldon Henson's getting good work and doing good work. And Emilio's directing. But Keenan Thompson is literally historically the longest person ever on Saturday night live. Mm-hmm. And he's just like the key player. He's become the foundation of that show. Weirdly enough, which is incredibly weird because we have literally grown up with him in our, right. on our televisions, on our movies. And he doesn't look like he's aged out. No, he's pretty he's much also. the same. <laughs> pretty much. The same. Um, couple of, a couple of last facts before we start breaking down the players here. Cause I want to get your opinion about some of these players here. Um, okay. clearly this movie is a classic amongst our generation. 
Like mm-hmm. I know all like, you know, the, the evil hockey team from Iceland, the wolf, the Dennis Stanson, the show me the triple D daddy taught you like all the, <laughs> all these types of things carry yeah. over. Iceland is very nice and Greenland is full of ice and Iceland is very nice. That kind of stuff <laughs> sticks with us. It does. What is it? 26 years later, Jesus, it sticks with us. But was it as much of a classic as we think it was? And the answer, Lindsay, is definitively no. Uh, It had a, not that Rotten Tomatoes matters, because Rotten Tomatoes does not matter, but it had a 20% critic score on Rotten Tomatoes, which is not what you want. And it had a 59% audience score on Rotten Tomatoes, which is also not what you want. And I'm very disappointed in, uh, in mostly just the audience. Roger Ebert... Weird again, weirdly enough, I could find the review on rogerever.com for the first one, and I could find the review for the third one. But rogerever.com did not have a review for the second Mighty Ducks movie. I have to imagine it's somewhere in between the two stars for the first movie and the one star for the third movie. Uh, <laughs> on Siskel and Ebert, he gave it, quote, a marginal thumbs down. Wow. That is aggressive. Brutal. (laughs) Just savage. Um, Yeah, this movie was not well-received. And I couldn't find a budget, but it made $45 million. And I can't imagine it cost much. Um, And yeah, it it opened to $10 million, which is pretty good for 94 money. So yeah, Mm -hmm. it did pretty well. And uh, and obviously, it stuck with us long enough to be (laughs) doing an episode on it. What's up, good movie buddies? Before we continue, I want to remind everyone that you can get free episodes of The Popcorn Diet delivered to you just by hitting the subscribe button or following us wherever you're listening from. So take a second, hit the button, give us a rating, write us a review, share us with the other good movie buddies out there. We also want to remind you to check us out on Patreon by going to patreon.com slash the popcorn diet and consider Becoming a patron of this little independent movie podcast filled with love. Not only is it going to help us improve the podcast, keep the podcast going, but it's also going to give you exclusive patron-only access to things like early episodes, franchise refills episodes, and more. So check that out by going to patreon.com slash thepopcorndiet. Of course, we don't want you to forget that you can also follow us on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, at The Popcorn Diet. And last but certainly not least, you can find all of our latest regular episodes, articles, and more on our website, popcorndietpodcast.com. Let's get back to it. But now is where I want to get to my favorite part. This is my favorite part because, Lindsay, you like sports. You know, you, you go to the Suns game and stuff. But I don't know. You're not a huge hockey person, are you? No. Okay. And I'm not. And that's where we have to make note. Neither am I. And that's where we are losing a little bit here because David, the Canadian machine, mm-hmm. naturally Definitely. is a Definitely. is a hockey person. But I want to go through, I'm not, I can't and I won't go through a scouting report for all five players. <laughs> or for all for all the players. Can't do it. Okay. Okay. But I wanted to focus on the five that I think were the most impactful. And I wanted to see if you had any more that you wanted to add. Okay. Okay. So I'll list the five and then you can think about if you want to add anybody, but I have okay. the five that, that I want to talk about is I want to talk about Charlie Conway. I want to okay. talk about Fulton Reed. I want to yeah. talk about Greg Goldberg. I want to talk about Adam Banks. 
and then Russ Tyler. Now you'll notice that none of the new crew are on there. Russ is new, but he's he's not part of the newest crew. Um, and that's because the new crew is all kind of they're gimmicky, right? And that's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, but they're just they don't have, despite the fact that you got Dwayne Robinson out here doing doing roping tricks, and you got Luis Mendoza who's fast but can't stop, and you got Dean Portman who's a goon. I wanted to talk a little bit about these five, uh, particularly, obviously, starting with Charlie Conway. Um, okay. I think the funniest thing to me about Charlie Conway is the fact that he is his impact isn't felt on the ice as much. Um, right. Like, he's probably the emotional center. But I, I would argue, from what we see in this film, not the strongest hockey player on the team. What do you think? Well, yeah, and he even says it himself, like, you know, you, I'd always be a better coach than a player. Right. Which is why he steps aside for us to step in. So for me, it, are we looking at a lineup of players? Or are we looking at a lineup of the most impactful players, it, like characters in the movie? So the players that stick out to us, right? Okay. And, and I, I kind of want to focus, I, I focus mostly on the, on four guys from the original crew, because mm-hmm. I also feel that's like, for example, I have Fulton Reed on here, and mm-hmm. I would argue that Fulton Reed isn't in this movie that much. I mean, the Bash Brothers are a big piece of it. Exactly. And there's so many of them that there's really no one that's like particularly highlighted, which is interesting because I feel like when I first watched this movie, I feel like the um, the stuff with, who is it? Um what's his face with the wrist um, Adam Banks Adam Banks thank you I felt like that was like so much more like pressing and impactful like how he had hurt his wrist and he was hiding it because the scouts da, da, da. like it was like this deep sort of like storyline that ran through the movie and re- on rewatch it was just kind of this very small piece of the bigger picture and it really didn't make like an impact on anything well let's talk about Adam Banks for a second because I think Adam Banks is and and it is it's it's this isn't an opinion either. It is established through all three movies that Adam Banks is the best player on the Mighty Ducks. Mm-hmm. Like he is clearly the MVP. He is the team captain. He I think because you showed me there's a pot there's a Mighty Ducks podcast out there that li- there is that literally just covers these movies. The Quack Attack. Shout out to the Quack Attack podcast. Um, but there are literally I found like a Reddit thread of scores and uh reddit you shout out to reddit user flargalarg um which is an amazing and <laughs> an absolutely amazing name i didn't mean to spring that on you Lindsay. i apologize he tracked he, <laughs> he, he tracked the scoring uh, in this movie and uh adam banks scored the most like he's clearly the MVP. So yeah. do you, rewatching these, Adam Banks never really mm-hmm. stuck out to me as a player because he's no. cake eater. You know, he's <laughs> he's the preppy, polo wearing, goody, goody two shoes. But I think he stuck out to me more this viewing because he's just good. Like he's a better player. And yet, but he's but here's a problem injury liability. Like yeah. He's glass. He's always getting, I feel like calling him glass is a mistake. I take it back. He was literally attacked 
by an Iceland player with a hockey stick. And we'll talk a little bit more about this in the, in the, when we go over the games, but after that game, and cause that was, that's the ass beating game, right? That's when mm-hmm. the Iceland mops the floor with him. Yeah. Dean, Port- well, Dean Portman gets kicked from the game for putting his hands on a ref. I get it. You can't do that. Right. But Julie, the cat's over here getting sexually uh, harassed and she puts two guys on their asses and she gets kicked. Meanwhile, freaking Anderson or whatever his name is on the Iceland team literally clubs Adam Banks over the forearm with a hockey stick and gets two minutes. Yeah, it's worse. Two minutes for swinging your hockey stick like a mallet. That's completely unacceptable. Um, I do think Charlie made the right move uh, seeding to Adam Banks uh, because Adam scored a goal in that game and help him w- help them win. Um, Russ Tyler, I wanted to bring up because he's the shooter. And I love that they brought in this second shooter, and that's all he does. I don't think you see Russ Tyler do any other hockey playing except skate out to the middle of the rink, tap his stick, and do the knuckle puck. Knuckle puck, yeah. Um, which we'll talk about in a little bit. The last thing I wanted to focus on is Goldberg. And mm-hmm. I've read some I've read some some thoughts on Goldberg here and I wanted to get your thoughts. Um okay. do you think Goldberg is an absolute liability in the net or do you think he did a pretty decent job given the circumstances? He did a pretty decent job given the circumstances, but I think I would replace him with Julie the Cat. Yeah. Because at the very end Emilio, Gordon Bombay goes up to her, says, you've got the faster glove, like puts her in, like, it just doesn't make sense to me why he's like, hadn't been playing the better player the whole time. Like, I get that he was a duck and there's history there and stuff like that, right. but you got to stick. I think he was more of a liability. You got to stick by your boy. You know, he, he sometimes you, your boy gets in a slump. You got to stick by him. You can't just pull him if he's having a hard time. Um, and let's be honest. It, he didn't allow that many goals. Like Italy didn't score on him. Granted Trinidad and Tobago put two on him. That's embarrassing. Um, but the, tw- like Iceland scored 12 points against him. That's not all on Goldberg. Like we got to Like team defense is an absolute, just Swiss cheese factory out there. There's holes all over the ice. So I feel like Goldberg was put in a position to fail. And, uh, and I thought he held up his end of the bargain pretty well. Not to mention the fact that Iceland's dirty. They were hooking him and shit like that, too. Um, so is there anybody else that you think is worth talking about? We're going to get into some of the other categories, but but is there anybody that I'm missing? I mean, I'm a big Averman person. I love him. I love him in both movies. Okay. <laughs> a little bit of comedic relief there. We, 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 listen. I, I enjoy a good Les Averman bit every now and then. I think, however, like his biggest contribution to this movie is doing the fake television broadcast with Goldberg at the beginning of the Iceland game. I'm not sure Averman ever once scores a goal in the entire franchise. That sounds right. <laughs> but, but to your point, sometimes he's a team guy. He is a team guy. You need guys on the team. You need the levity. 
You need the jokesters. Like you can't, not everybody can be Adam Banks. You can't have a whole team of Adam Bankses. You got to have A's and you got to have B's to, to even out the field. So speaking of Adam Banks, uh, we always try and pick as far as the team goes, as far as the, okay. as far as the actual sports goes, who is the MVP of the Mighty Ducks in this movie? I have three nominees and you can always throw in more. Okay. Um, the first one's the obvious one. It's Adam Banks. Like he's the leading scorer. He's the best. He's the best guy on the team. Like by far, he's the most well-rounded player. Um, Adam Banks first nomination. Second nomination, okay. Russ Tyler. Uh, Russ Tyler comes in and sometimes you just, sometimes it's worth it just to have a guy. It's like when Andre Iguodala won the MVP of the NBA finals, <laughs> like just for like playing defense and shooting threes. Like sometimes you have a guy, he's not the main guy on the team, but sixth man award. he's so that's, we might bring him up for the sixth man award as well. Okay. And then the last one is Charlie Conway, Charlie Conway for maybe the most impact with the least amount of actual stuff done. He made the most impact by stepping away, by giving his spot away. Is that something that we could award MVP for? I don't know. It's our podcast. We do whatever we want. That Charlie is who I would have awarded it to. Okay. Because, um, like you said, he did the most by stepping away. He was selfless for the team. He, instead of just being like, oh, you know, Adam Banks can't play, da da da, like he's an action guy. He's like, right. I'm going to help him out. I'm going to step in. Um, and then on top of that, when Adam Banks came back, they needed a spot and he stepped aside for the greater good of the team. So, True. MVP award. I think she got it. You're giving it Charlie Conway. Okay. All right. All right. Uh, I still think it's Adam Banks. I think we're going Adam Banks here. I think literally Adam like Banks fan club over here. Listen, why overthink <laughs> it? Like give it to the best play. Like, listen, okay. I know I'm going to hit a nerve here. It's not worth winning. If you don't win big, <laughs> <laughs> sometimes you overthink it and you, and sometimes the MVP award gets overthought and it gets given to the wrong person. Case in point, I am not agreeing with this case. I want to make very clear, but many people argue that when Steve Nash won his two MVPs in the NBA, people were overthinking it. They should have went to Kobe because Kobe was just the flat out best player in the league. Okay. I'm just citing that as an example. I'm not saying I buy into that philosophy. So that's why I'm going with Adam Banks here. I don't necessarily have direct ties to Charlie. So that's why I'm going Adam Banks. Now you mentioned six man and that's our last category for the players who makes the biggest impact with the least amount of time. Um, I have three nominees here. Okay. I have the previously mentioned Russ Tyler. Mm -hmm. I have Luis Mendoza and I have uh, Dean Portman. Uh, Russ Tyler, obviously we mentioned he got brought in for one thing and one thing only, and that's to shoot that knuckle puck and he did it and it tied the game. And what's, what better bona fides do you need for a six man award? Right. Uh, and on the same level, Luis Mendoza speedster, fastest guy in the ice can't stop. But when he does scores a goal, Mm-hmm. I'm mentioning Portman and I'm bringing Portman into this conversation because like many sixth men, he, he's not necessarily a stats guy, right? 
he's an attitude guy. He's the enforcer. He's the guy you bring in and he's the sixth man off the bench because he's, he's like the, um, he's like the Ron Artest of six men. Like he's, I know I'm using a lot of basketball analogies here and that's because I don't freaking know hockey and, <laughs> and it'd be better if David didn't have a baby and we would have more hockey comparisons here, but I, this, this is what we have to work with. Um, but he's not like a guy Portman's not a guy who's putting up 20 points. He's not shooting a ton of goals. He's not, he's not getting a lot of puck action, but he's out there making a difference on the ice every time. So those are my three Russ Tyler Mendoza and Portman. Do you have any that you feel could be nominated for six man? Again, I'm going to go with Julie the cat. Okay. Okay. She ended up making the game saving save essentially game winning save. And so off the bench, I'm going with Julie, the cat. Now counter argument. Bombay told her what side the gunner was going to. Like she knew she had, she had it down. She had it coached. So was it her skill Mm -hmm. or was it Bombay's coaching? I think it's both because he could have also addressed Goldberg, the same thing. And kept him in the game. It's true. He could have. Why? I, but he needed. But he needed her skill and her quickness. Yeah. Yeah. And Julie the cat's a good one. I, I I accept that. I probably would go with Russ just because like the knuckle puck was such a. I rem, I remember the knuckle puck. I remember trying to do the knuckle puck when we played like foot hockey in the gym in school. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it would <laughs> never work. And because the physics behind that shit are whack, um, which leads us to talking about the actual competition. All right. Okay. So, and this is how does the gameplay in the movie hold up compared to the actual sport? And I, okay. and I think the short answer is not great. Uh, no, I can't imagine that a lot of the things that they did were legal. Yes. So <laughs> like rest. Like changing into Goldberg jersey and all the pads for being a goalie. I can't imagine they could have done that within the time of a timeout. Like there's just a lot of things where I'll suspend my disbelief because I love this movie. Yes, there was a lot. So so let's talk about that. The most unrealistic moment of the okay. movie. Uh I have I limited it to four. <laughs> okay. But there are many. Where are they? The first is is the biggest one, and that's Russ Tyler pretending to be Goldberg. Okay, yeah. There are, <laughs> I think, at least five rules that are being broken in, in that. <laughs> yeah. Like I'm listen. I don't. I don't know hockey that well. All right. I'll fully admit that. But I know that you have to put in substitutions. I know that you can't <laughs> play peekaboo with your players, and. That's it's just insane. Not only that, not only that, but he takes his helmet off to shoot the puck, which is an immediate dead. <laughs> the play is whistled dead. <laughs> you can't do that. <laughs> and there's three more of these. <laughs> and there's three more. This is the most egregious. This is the most egregious. Okay. Um, the second one I have is the roping scene. Oh yeah. Um, two yeah. two minutes for roping. You mean to tell me? <laughs> you 
mean to tell me that Julie the Cat gets gets kicked out of a game for pushing two guys down. Portman gets kicked out of a game for whatever the unsportsmanlike conduct. Uh, now there is some precedent here because I think his name is Anderson on the Iceland team only gets two minutes for literally assaulting Adam Banks with a hockey stick. Yeah. Um, which barely made this did not make this list, but you're introducing a foreign object into the game of hockey here. It's not like you used a stick or a puck. He had his lasso on the bench and uses it to yank an an active player during gameplay, not during a break, not during a timeout during gameplay. There's no way that's, that's not an immediate uh, disqualification. Like there's no way, right? Yeah, there's no way. (laughs) So that's (laughs) that one's pretty bad. That one's pretty bad. The other two I have are, I guess a little bit more realistic, but the first is there is no written rule for swapping jerseys but they swap jerseys and I don't know that that's ever happened before. Um, it'd be fun to see, but the swapping of the jerseys bit is a great movie moment. It's just a great movie moment. It's phenomenal. But in a game, uh, I don't know. That would play hell with a bunch of stats and everything. Yes. Um, yeah. I saw a comment actually on Reddit that was like, I just imagine in the Olympics with LeBron and all the people and they come back from halftime and they're wearing Miami heat Jersey, right? <laughs> like, it would just not be a thing. That not only would that not be a thing, but that would also alienate 98% of the country. Right. Like, can you think of, cause the, now they're playing in Los Angeles and they're wearing the Anaheim mighty ducks jerseys because the Anaheim mighty ducks were a thing then, but they're mostly all from Minnesota. So think about the guy in like Des Moines watching the junior Goodwill games on television and he's rooting for team USA and they come out wearing LA uh, jerseys. Like think about it. Like you just said, any other situation, if team USA came out wearing Miami heat jerseys, or if they came out wearing Detroit Red Wings jerseys, everybody except Red Wings fans would be pissed. Like the right. Red Wings fans would be like, this is amazing. And the Ducks fans would be, this is amazing. But like me sitting in Phoenix, like I'm represented by Team USA. I'm not represented by the freaking Ducks. I don't right. know who these, yeah. that they don't, they're, they're not my team. I don't like them. Um, so yeah, maybe alienating the rest of the country's fan base just to, <laughs> just to get the, the positive morale boost. And then the last one, the last most unrealistic moment is Goldberg just not getting yanked earlier. Like Goldberg lets 12 go in the ice first icing game. Admittedly, like he only lets Germany score twice on him. That's pretty good. Germany's a good team. But then he lets Iceland put another five on him in that game too. At what point are you pulling Goldberg? Right. Like right. when would you pull him? You're, you've been a big Julie the Cat uh, I am a big Julie the Cat fan. You're a big Julie the Cat fan. So when does Goldberg get pulled? After, I would say after two. After two? Two goals? Yeah. Damn. So. He needs to rest. You can bring him back in, but you got to, I mean. You have two goalies for a reason. Right. That's exactly it. And just letting Goldberg stay out there and getting shellacked. Admittedly, the 12 points isn't all on him because Julie the Cat got kicked out because they were going to pull him. 
and then Julie the cat got kicked and she he had to go back in. So that's not all of those 12 are his fault, but it's not a great look. So for for your pick of the most unrealistic moment, which which of those do you have any more you'd like to add? Um no, those are pretty good. The Goldberg switcheroo, I think, is is really but the roping one. The roping one, I think we'll say, is the most unrealistic. Like, I can't imagine that ever happening. It is, it's, the roping is just the most, like, tee-hee, you know, bullshit Disney Very Disney, thing. yes. Like, yes. well, we have a cowboy on the team. He's going to have to rope somebody. Like, okay, I guess that's that's how it goes. Um, all right, next category, best sports center play. Which is what plays are showing up on Sports Center? Which ones are the best? Which one's going to be the number one on Sports Center? Okay, I have four. Okay. Wow. Okay. I have four here, and you can throw more on because there's some good. There's some good stuff, obviously. Um, I have Russ's knuckle puck to tie the game. Yeah. Clutch, illegal in about a half a dozen ways, <laughs> but clutch. Um, I also want to give a shout out to Stanson. Um, the dentist might be a psychopath, but he knows how to coach and he knows how to scout teams. Uh, he literally like, I don't know that he had even seen, uh, Russ Tyler's knuckle puck, but he knew that guy was dangerous and he was had two guys on him the entire time. So Stanson's a good coach. I don't, you might disagree with his methodology, but he had team USA scouted, um, well, yeah, it was, I mean, okay. Can we talk about the date real fast? Just real side, like <laughs> sure. side conversation. Sure, sure, sure. The ice cream date. Yeah. <laughs> Cause that was a, a spy mission. Right. And then it just never went anywhere. Like, I guess. Maybe. I mean, think about this. So, so we're going to take a pause from the competition for a second. So Bombay and the Iceland chick are having ice cream as yes. two single consenting adults are allowed to do without the judgment of some freaking child who doesn't know any better, but they're not talking shop on that trip. Right. They're just talking about where they're from. Like they're talking about personal history. Now, if they were talking shop, if, if she was like, Oh, so you play hockey. Like what's your, like, do you go right side, left side like that? Then yes. Like then Gordon Bombay, you're an idiot. And um, it's definitely a spy mission. But I don't know that the evidence is completely there. Uh, I would also argue that if you watch her in some of the other scenes when uh, Wolf the Dennis Stanson, who for whatever reason I have to say his entire name every time, <laughs> when, he's like, when he's like acting out, like when, he's, when he calls them out at the press conference or when they show up at the hockey rink, like she looks actively like, ah, you're kind of being a dick right now. Like she, mm. she has this look on her face. So I think she, it's genuine. I think the date is genuine, but I think just like in the first movie, these kids are dumb kids who don't understand the intricacies of adult life, like sarcasm or being able to date whoever you want to date. You know, I mean, think about this. She's attractive. She's blonde. They have shared interests. Like she's on, a, she's part of a hockey team. She's a trainer. He's a hockey coach. There's that's who doesn't who says no. 
So why do you think it didn't go anywhere? Or, like, why do you think it was even introduced into the movie to just be dropped immediately? To have the kids be angry at Bombay about something. Because the because the kids aren't um, sophisticated enough or old enough to, like, real realistically comment on, like, the dangers of capitalism, you know? <laughs> like, if you had Charlie Con... Like, Charlie says, like, you know, oh, we're Team USA. We're the Ducks. It's this stuff has Hendrix all over it. He says it a little bit, but if you had like Fulton Reed getting giving some like eloquent dissertation on the dangers of commercialism and the purity of the game, <laughs> it wouldn't make any sense. And so it's a lot easier. It's a lot easier to be like having ice cream with the enemy, a eh, coach. Like, <laughs> yeah. Sorry, that was a side conversation, but I just felt like we needed to. Well, what did you, what did you think? I, I mean, I completely agree with you. I just thought it was very, I just, it's interesting how certain plots from when I was younger stuck out way more than now rewatching it and like how subtle they are. And two of them right away to me are the date with the Iceland chick and then Adam Banks's wrist. Right. Like, I feel like if you would have asked me, you know, some like big plot points in the movie, those were two things. And now when I watch them, they're just kind of like running in the background very much so. Well, admittedly, this movie is basically just several music video highlight reels like edited together. Like there's not, <laughs> there isn't exactly a lot of long portions of dialogue in this, right. in this movie. Um, but yeah, no, I think you're right. I think they're, they're, it's, this movie, it's not very deep. It doesn't have a lot of depth. It's a kid's movie. What are you going to do? You know? Um, all right. So let's center back around. Let's bring the puck back yeah. around. Okay. Let's bring the puck back around. <laughs> to best sports center play. So we talked, talked about the knuckle puck to tie the game. Yeah. Uh, I also want to give shouts out to Dwayne's alley-oop. Don't know that that was ever seen in the hockey rink before then. Uh, we got the flying V against Germany, which, you know, like if that was if that was as famous as like the announcer made it out to be like, I've heard it, but I've never seen it. <laughs> you got to imagine that that shows up on SportsCenter. Yeah, definitely. Even though, again, Iceland has that shit scouted. Very well for their next for their next game. And then lastly, and I feel like I feel like this is going to be your winner, but. Julie the cat's safe. Like the game, it's the game winning save. It's the best player on the team. It's Gunner against Julie the cat. And she comes up big. Those are the sports center plays that I have. Do you have any to add? Do you have any, is, are there any that I forgot? I don't have any to add, but to kind of go against my whole theme through this whole podcast, oh. <laughs> I actually think I would choose the flying V. It's iconic. It's, it's iconic to the ducks it's it's a chill moment like that's it for me that would be my choice the music swells like the which i couldn't find the theme on spotify i'm very sad i couldn't find the mighty ducks theme um on spotify but i think you're right i think the flying v it just it's it's a callback right and everybody yeah. loves a callback especially nowadays you know um it's 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 like if it's like when InSync showed up for that Justin Timberlake part of the Grammys that one time or whatever it was, mm -hmm. like for just 30 seconds. And it was, it was euphoria. 
And it's yeah. the same thing here. Like the Flying V shows back up. The, the old team we knew is back. For, for the viewers, I think that that's big. For yeah. Sports Center, I don't know. Because again, we're talking about a formation from a Minnesota peewee hockey team. So, and Sports Center is a national television show. It is, but if we are in the Mighty Ducks world, yes. we're in the Mighty Ducks universe. Yes. Gordon Bombay also had a reputation as a peewee hockey player that followed him his whole life. The Minnesota Miracle Man. <laughs> So, like, if we're thinking about it that way, what you do when you're a kid in a PB hockey league can be very impactful. <laughs> if you're an elite, I mean, here's the funny thing. If you're an elite player, yes, maybe, because LeBron w- came straight out of high school, but nobody's talking about his freaking high school game still. Like, he, he's past <laughs> it. Um <laughs> I think probably the knuckle puck gets probably gets the number one sports center play simply because it was something that nobody had ever seen before. Like it was the first time I, and again, I might be misremembering. I only watched this movie a couple days ago, but he does the knuckle puck on the courts when they're doing roller hockey. And then mm-hmm. he doesn't, he doesn't get to do it again. He goes for it once and they stop him. And then mm-hmm. they got to do all that chicanery in order to get him to get the knuckle puck off again. And then when he does, it goes in and it's an incredible moment. Um, I, I feel like that's the first time everybody saw somebody shoot a three pointer. Like it just blew, like this changes the game of hockey as it should, if it was physically possible. That's also, it didn't make the list of unrealistic moments, but the knuckle puck is a physical impossibility. Like there's nothing about that. That is it's it, I don't know. It's just nonsense. Um, all right. Last question before we get to the Hall of Fame. Best okay. best game. Now this movie, Ooh. credit where credit is due. This movie actually has quite a few games shown. Sometimes you only get highlights. Sometimes, like in the case of Mighty Ducks, you really only get two games, and then a bunch of montages. Yeah. This movie has, in my opinion, at least four significant games. The first game, Trinidad and Tobago, where mm-hmm. they just wipe the floor with them. Mm-hmm. Um, the first Iceland game, where they get destroyed. The game against Germany, where Bombay comes back and they do the flying V. Or the final game, the last game, the Iceland game, where they win in a shootout. Um, I think they also play Italy for a little bit of time, but there's I can't remember much from Italy, so it's not on the list. Um, so, yeah, I have those four. Out of all those, what's your favorite game? I think for me, it's going to be the game where the Bash Brothers are introduced. Okay. And that whole thing with those guys, because that to me was just like these two groups coming together for the first time. And so I don't know if that's, the Trinidad game? That might or... be the Trinidad game. That might actually be the Italy game. Okay. Um, I can't remember, but the Bash Brothers is that's legit. Um man. I always I always I always struggle as to what the best game is based on what the emotional stakes are. 
Um, so for example, like the Trinidad and Tobago scene is great because it's just, it's them. They're, they're fly, They're playing free. They're feeling good. They're at the height of their powers. They're playing loose. Um, and it's a lot of fun. Right. And then the last, the last Iceland game has a little bit of that. Like it has the fun of like Kenny Wu getting two minutes for roughing. Yeah. You know, the third bat. The three bash brothers, you got the roping, you got there's a lot of there's a lot of tomfoolery. There's a yeah, lot of shenanigans. So cool. <laughs> um, so you get a little bit of that, and then they put on the ice. I I gotta I'm going with the last game because it's they put Iceland down, and that's just the best. Yeah. How can yeah. how can you not like that's that? A that's a good one. All right. Uh the last one, Hall of Fame. So the Mighty Ducks, you know, what's their legacy? Why, why, what's your pitch for not only this movie, but also the team as a whole getting the, the, the recognition, you know, 26 years later that we're given it? You know, I think it's the heart. It's the heart. It's the ragtag group of kids coming together. You know, it's Gordon Bombay being the the adult, the coach, the heart, him like recognizing his mistakes and, you know, apologizing and growing and, and then just good old fashioned sports movies like inspiration, you know, those down moments and then them all coming back together and, you know, defeating whoever that foe is. And I think it just has those like, those moments of just pure heart that make the Disney sports movies just so good. I think that's true. I think the, the best sports movies are the movies that are able to somehow combine the overcoming the over, what's the word I'm looking for? The triumph over the outside forces and the evil team that they're playing against which is there's naturally an evil team that somebody's being playing playing against or fighting against or what have you um whether it be iceland or whether it be the hawks or the varsity team or or whoever when you bring those things together successfully it just it just feels good it's triumphant it's the music i also think we were talking about this before the podcast this they can't like the kids that they got for the, this franchise are incredible. Like they are. Yes. And, and admittedly there are, so well there are a lot of them who are the stereotypes. Literally every single one of the new people is a stereotype. You know, Julie, the cat's the woman who wants to get taken seriously. Portman's the brutal enforcer from Chicago. Mendoza's the speedster from Miami. Dwayne's the, freaking cowboy from texas or whatever and russ tyler's the loudmouth from los angeles like they fit a stereotype but that's what makes them so memorable you know um and and the ones that don't even the guys off on the side like Guy germain Guy germain low-key probably a top five player on this mighty ducks team like that guy's been a contributor for all three movies but he was never a front guy in the movies itself but as far as on the ice, Guy Germain pretty good. 
Um, Jesse Hall, same thing. Like, again, Jesse Hall, not in the third movie, but still an effective team player. And, and that's what I like, because I like that even the guys who are, the, the players who are on the outside are, uh, are able to, you know, make an impact in some way, shape, or form. Also, not for nothing, intergender team ahead of its time. Very ahead of its time. Like, Very feminist tone. <laughs> like, as, as much as, as, much as the, these guys fit stereotypes, this hockey team has an Asian guy. A Spanish guy, a couple of black guys, a hillbilly. Uh, it's got a bunch of a bunch of Minnesota people, like like low key, ahead of its Two time. Women. Definitely. Two women. Definitely. Definitely. They had to replace Tommy and Tammy from the first movie with Kenny Wu for this movie because Tammy was the ice skater, she was the figure skater, and they got rid of her and they got they brought in Kenny Wu. He did he did the trick. But, uh, but yeah, I, I agree with you. I think there's um, Emilio, everything. It's cheesy. It's corny. It's not very deep. But the Mighty Ducks have a legacy that, I mean, hell, just look. Like, they're still, they're an NHL team. And granted, that ties it all the way back again to the marketing and the, the what's, what's the corporate word? Synergy of it all. Because I think, I think Disney... I know Disney owned the Angels for a little bit. Um, I don't remember if they ever owned the Ducks. Uh, I think they did. They might have. Yeah, Um, I think they did. But yeah, yeah, exactly. So I love this movie. I'm I'm glad we got to revisit it. If nothing else, I think you said it. This movie is comfort food. And a lot of the movies that we're covering in the sports movie month are designed to not only represent the sports that we love and we're missing out, but also to give us a level of comfort food. That's why we did major league for the first movie. That's why we did D2, the mighty ducks for this movie. Like, could we have done like other serious hockey movies? Like, sure. Like mystery Alaska is an incredible hockey movie and it's still pretty funny, but it's also fairly serious too. Slapshot is another really funny hockey movie. Like there are a number of hockey movies that we could have done. We could have done Miracle, which is an incredible hockey movie. Um, also a Disney movie. Um, but yeah, like just something about the Mighty Ducks and going back to this and D2 and revisiting your childhood and the music and the the scenes, the getting the everything, everything about this movie is a blast. I'm gonna have to watch the third one now just for fun. Definitely. Just for fun. Um, both of these movies, I think, I know Mighty Ducks 2 can be found on HBO. So HBO Now or HBO Go. Um, or they're like $3.99 to rent. So, and they'll be on Disney Plus, but not until next year because of the, they, because of the agreements and all that in place. But yeah, uh, Lindsay, I want to thank you for taking the time being here. I appreciate it very much. Um, that's yeah, of course that, that is going to do it for this episode. Um, before we go, I want to remind everybody that you can get free episodes delivered to you just by hitting subscribe or hitting that follow button. Take a second, give us a rating, write us a review, share us with your other good movie buddies. We also want to remind you to check us out on Patreon by going to patreon.com slash the popcorn diet and consider becoming a patron of the podcast. Not only is that going to help us in all ways, shapes, and forms, but it's also going to give you access to exclusive patron-only episodes like our franchise refills and more. 
Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram at The Popcorn Diet. And last, but certainly not least, you can find all of our latest regular episodes, articles, and more on our website, popcorndietpodcast.com. But for Lindsay Friend, special guest movie, good movie buddy, Lindsay Friend, I am your very best good movie buddy, Rick Williamson, and we'll see you next time with another Sports Movie Month podcast. This time, we're covering basketball, and there's only one place to go, and that's outer space. We'll see you next time for another episode when we cover Space Jam. Adios.